You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha's uh, mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. If I respond in anger or respond with passion or respond, period, does this mean I'm not over it? When we're talking about dealing with absent fathers, we are often having a conversation about Black men and Black boys and how Black men need their fathers. Rarely are we really having deep conversations about fathers being absent from the lives of their daughters and what that all means. I, and I've, and there's history even in that. Like, I've given up track scholarships and opportunities to go a lot of places. You know, I still have letters from Columbia University and Tennessee State, like huge track and field places that was recruiting me. And I said no to all of them because it was more important for me to know my father. When predators groom, they don't just groom the victims, they also groom everybody around them. And this is one reason why when they are accused, nobody believes it. Oh, not this guy. He's the nicest guy. Or he's great. Or he's or come up with some kind of excuse for their behavior so that even if you do tell, nobody believes you because this is such a great guy. We continue to put those who have been victimized into unhealthy situations under the guise of healing. In a recent episode, in a conversation I had with Antoinette, I was talking about the need for Black women to examine their lives. And I think for some, that struck a chord and people knew exactly what to do with that information. But for others, you might have heard that and thought, yeah, I need to do that, but I don't have any idea on where do I start. And I think that the first place to always start when you're doing anything is with yourself. I don't care what it is you're doing. Start with yourself. Start with you, your understanding, your thoughts, your beliefs around that situation or issue. And then you go from there. Because um, once you embrace something, once you embrace the importance of it, the belief of it, the seriousness of it, the joy of it, you're able to convey that to someone else. So examining your life is to start with yourself. Like, What is going well? Start there. What's going really well in my life? Physically, emotionally, financially, you know, um, how I'm raising my children, my relationships, work, like what's going really well? And you can just make a list of any of those things randomly, or you can make a list of like the major things in your life, the major roles you play, the major situations in your life, like work, faith, home, relationships, finances, physical, those type of things. And then each of those areas, you can begin to write down, okay, here's three things that are going really well. Three things that are going the way that I had hoped, that I envisioned, that I planned for, that I worked for. These things are going really well. 
And then you could take those same areas or again, just make a list over what isn't going well in my life. What isn't going according to plan? What isn't going the way that I want it to go? Which ways do I need to grow, change, shift, and then write those things out? And that at least gives you a framework of where you can begin. And this this looking at your life, stepping back from it, taking the time to do this. And I think that's one of the reasons that black women don't do it. You know, I'm not saying that we own stress, but I'm just saying we're on top of the list of stress in this world, in this life, and the things that we carry and have historically carried. And I think sometimes we're so busy surviving that we don't even get beyond just being in the thick of things. Like people live, like people live financially paycheck to paycheck. I think sometimes we live day to day in that same desperate mode, but it's not about money. It's about emotions. It's about spirituality. It's about mindset. It's about all those things that we just are desperate. We just have just enough to make it, just enough to do the bare minimum. And right now in the world that we're living in, in a global pandemic, and how that has changed everything, how we work, how our children go to school, how we go to church, how we do relationships, how we do family, you know, everything has changed around us. And for some of us, that has meant we've lost jobs, we've lost income. For some of us, you know, it hasn't been that, but we've gained extra things. Like for some of you who have had the fortune of not having lost your job during the pandemic, you're able to Zoom from home. That's great, right? But now you have the extra responsibility of educating your children, making sure they have what they need because now your children at home and they're learning at home and they need you in a different way, educationally, emotionally, socially. For some of you, you your everything. You there everything. Y'all, y'all's all you got. And so what all those things do to shift a life. So who has the time to sit down and examine your life in the midst of everything? But now is the time to do it. And so once you've exhausted what you feel like you need to work on, you can either go to a trusted friend, a minister, a sister, a parent, and you can have a conversation. What do you say? You know, looking at, again, all those areas. Say maybe there's seven or eight different areas you looked at. Maybe there's three of those particular areas that you want to focus in on. Or maybe there's just one area you want to start with, something that doesn't overwhelm you. Then you could go to that trusted person and say, hey, I'm really trying to grow in this area. What have you seen? Where do you see are my strengths in this area? Where do you see are my opportunities for growth in this area? And take it in. What do you what do you see that what they're saying that you agree with that you don't agree with that maybe you need to examine further? Like don't be on the defense. You know what I'm saying? Like don't be offended by what they say. If you're gonna ask somebody for constructive feedback, wear your big girl panties that day so you can really hear what they're saying. And if for some reason you feel like you don't have that person in your life, you have another option or two. You know, you could go to a therapist. And right now, even during the pandemic, you know, you can see therapists online easier than ever, you know, or you could do a life coach and you can always work with a life coach at at a distance. And these people can give you that outside perspective. Now, what you lose in dealing with a person like a therapist or a life coach is that they don't know you know you and it will take them time to get to know you, your patterns, your mindset, your beliefs, all of that. So it takes a little bit longer to get ahead. But then once you do build that relationship, they are able to help you in a rich way. With people that you know, that know you know your patterns, have seen the seven Tyrones that you've dated, that really helps to give them that perspective to speak into. So either way, Whichever you feel comfortable, just have some, gain some traction. Just have some movement in an area. And that begins to give you a foundation where you can begin in examining your life. And don't take on too much because when we get overwhelmed, then we just stop moving at all. So again, 
You can look at all of those seven, eight areas, but then just pick one. Just pick one that you really want to move forward on that you feel like, man, if I really worked on this, it would be the foundation upon which I can build some of the other things. Like if I just got my finances together, it would help me to be able to make healthier relationship choices because I'm not depending on a man to financially support me so that I might be staying in an unhealthy relationship because of the money. So those things can be so interrelated. So just start with one thing that you feel will give you the most momentum right now. Get some growth, get some movement in that area. And then you can go to the next area and you can follow the same pattern, you know, with a friend, a loved one, a therapist, a counselor, um, a life coach. And, you know, um, sometimes people ask, like, what's the difference between like a therapist, counselor and a life coach? You know, when you're in therapy, they help you look backwards to figure out why do you have these patterns? Where does it come from? Where did it stem from? So you can kind of understand better the genesis of your problem. Or as my mother used to say, your basic maladjustment. You can understand why it is. And then with that knowledge, you can unlearn those thoughts, those beliefs, those patterns, those actions that you take to maintain that untruth in your life. With the life coach, they look at where you are. They don't care what your mama did, that your daddy wasn't there, you know, that Tyrone didn't pay child support. They don't care about any of that. They look at where do you want to go from where you are? How do you get to the next step? And they, 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 they look forward. Now, the truth of the matter is that you could use both of them. Any of, any of us could use both of that at any point in time. But if you've done some back work and you're just trying to figure out how to go forward, a life coach might be really, really great for you. And you can do that. Or again, if you got a really good girlfriend, y'all can do it back and forth with each other and really help one another to help you see yourselves and to move forward. And so that's just a little bit of just some thought about what you can do to examine your life. You know, um, some other little pieces you can do and you can decide where you kind of need to do is read some really good books that challenge your mindset, that, that challenge transformation in your life that could be a really good starting point because the more you ready your mind to make change to make transition the more you ready your spirit to accept change to see your strength to see your weaknesses so you can move forward any of those things are challenged by new information so reading is really great self-help books can be really great as a wonderful way to coach yourself to move yourself forward you know so that's another thing you can do and so that's just a place to start to examine your life so i hope this is helpful love to hear back from you if you tried any of these things and you found them helpful you know to help you continue to heal your life to live the best life you can for yourself and for those who love you, and for those you love. Be blessed. All right. So many times when I'm working with women, they'll ask me about how I healed, how do you know you're healed, how do you heal, all these kind of things. And it's it's, it's a good question because we don't, have a map in front of us because most of the time black women don't even heal we don't even know that we need to heal and even when we do we just don't feel like doing it so the other day I got a call I was on the line and this is one of the young ladies that I've mentored and um, whenever she calls she gets through so she called me up and just kind of went into it about a situation and so hey sweetie how you doing today Good. How you doing? Good. And so um, it's so funny when you call me because you just always just jump right into it. And I love that. Like, we don't have to do no preliminary stuff necessarily. (laughs) We'll just jump right into the middle of an issue. And um, I love that because I don't like fluffy conversation anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you called me up and, and what did you ask me? How do I know I'm healed? Mm-hmm. Or more so, because of my reaction, doesn't mean I'm not healed when I feel like I am. Right. 
about this, you know what I'm saying? So right. that was my question is just like, if I, if I respond in anger or respond with passion or respond period, does this mean I'm not over it? Right. Right. And I, those yeah. are all really great questions. So let's jump into the situation that you were specifically talking to me about. Okay. So I, um, my phone, one of my phones is always dead and for days. So I, I know this morning I, I, <laughs> I finally uh, plugged my phone in and I get this series of alerts, text message alerts. And I'm like, oh, something must be happening. Um, finally get to the messages. And um, one of them was or all of them actually I had no contact with them. So uh, my first response is, hi, who is this? Mm-hmm. and um, I don't really get a direct answer. I just get another series of text messages um, with my name and other uh, and my siblings' names attached to it. So basically, I, I, I figure out that um, my father is trying to reach out um, about a couple events that he has going on, and um, this is, I guess, our formal invitation was this group message. Um, I haven't, there's just a little bit of a background. Like I haven't spoke with my father in over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of, it kind of threw me for a loop, I guess you, you should say, you could say, but I, I really kind of wasn't bothered. Um, but what did bother me was just his approach mm-hmm. in, um, and, and more so, I think we got to the bottom of this. It was really the vocabulary that was used, um, trying to use events as a healing. And I just really didn't feel like it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even feel like the group message was appropriate. But Right after know. 10 years, you haven't spoken with your daughter. Yeah. You don't send a group message and with a whole bunch of other numbers that she don't even know who the hell is on there. Right. Right. Um, and there's just so much that has to be discussed. Um, if there was even going to be an attempt to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just completely, it just completely blindsided me, you know? Um, and why do you feel like I would even want to celebrate anything that you're doing? What was the language that he used that included the word heal? Oh, Wow. So some of the messages were, let's use, um, basically he's going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And um, he wants to use that gathering as a place of healing, Mm -hmm. which was confusing for me because I feel like that should be a time for you to celebrate what you've done. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. On his end. but. it's not anything that I want to celebrate. <laughs> and it's not an altar or anything. <laughs> so I don't know how healing is going to be. <laughs> I don't know how healing. I mean, maybe, maybe he was thinking that that we'd be all together and it can open up some conversation, but I, I feel like there's so much preliminary things that need to have that need to happen before I take off time from work. Mm-hmm. Leave my dog. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like more sacrifices um, for this for this you know healing process. Um, right. I, I I actually did reply um, to the group message, and I hope that it was um, it was it was it was direct. Mm-hmm. And I can, and like you said in the in the beginning, you know, I, I it's almost like I can't be nothing but direct. Mm-hmm. Because let's let's just be real here. Like I'm thirty six. I don't know how many adults actually connect back with their with their parents after ten, twenty years mm-hmm. or for someone who haven't even been in their life really with no real time. I don't right. I, I don't know how those people connect back with an adult. I just feel like when you're an adult <laughs> And we have no his, we have no relationship. Why you're not a person that I would want to have a relationship with? 
You know what I mean? Even if we weren't blood, if even if we weren't blood, like you're not a cool person. Right. You know, you have hidden agendas. It's just not even, it's, it's nothing that I have to really deeply think about. Like I just, aside from medical and family history that I need to know for my future, mm-hmm. it's a negative. Well, I mean, I think you, you're talking about a really layered situation, you know, a it's lot of very t- layered. Yes. For one, when we're talking about dealing with absent fathers, we are often having a conversation about black men and black boys and how black men need their fathers. Rarely are we really having deep conversations about fathers being absent from the lives of their daughters and what that all means. And so I think with you, the situation is layered because you didn't grow up with the relationship with him. And now you had something that happened that was wounding to you, which caused this 10 year gap. And neither the first time when you reconnected with him as a young adult, and then in this situation, it doesn't sound like there was any consideration of the healing that you needed, first of all, from him being absent from your life as a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so then the second situation comes up where there was a um, a wounding on his part to you, which is why you created that distance. And now the word healing comes up in connection with something that is honoring and special for him, which my initial thing is to call, you know, bullshit. Because to me, it's like he wants to present a certain image of this intact family and all these, this wonderful dad and we're here celebrating you hootie hoo, but not really heal. Yeah, I can see on the flip side of that, I can see why he would use um, those events, that event, um, or in event period, mm-hmm. um, as a as a platform, I can see why someone who has the kind of history he has with his children, mm-hmm. I can see why it almost needs to take place in a public. It needs to, you know, right in a public setting and a place where he is celebrated because. he's hurt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's hurt and he has layers Mm -hmm. of healing that needs to take place in his life. Right. Which was my, almost my number one complaint, not, well, set probably my second complaint. The first was the group message. The second is you haven't done the work for yourself to even address this issue. You know what I'm saying? Like you haven't, done the work I can tell because you send a group message right so I can tell so did you reply to that group message I definitely replied to the group message what was your reply oh his message is I am reaching out to let you know their family is having a small reunion at the end of the month and you are invited please let me know as soon as possible so I can buy your tickets so well, let's pause, let's pause right there. Like I like I said earlier, I'm 36. Doesn't mean I'm rich, but I definitely like you handing out plane tickets or even offering that was very petty for me. Mm-hmm. And and I am going to scrutinize everything <laughs> this man does. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to because that's where you bled me. That's like. That's where that's the position you put me in. Mm-hmm. So I have to be very conscious of what you're doing and saying to right. me to put in my head. So um, there's a, some blah 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 in there, and then he says, "Let's use this as a platform to heal." My God. Then my message is: Please exclude me from your family healing invitations and accolades, as you have done so well the past 36 years. You've been dead to me for over a decade. We need not to discuss this any further, ever. My well-being has never been your concern, so what healing could you be referring to? Maybe your own? Do you remember when you were at my brother's game? Uh, my brother is a football player. Um, when you were at my brother's game and you couldn't be man enough nor father enough to even speak, keep that same energy. 
Then I said, don't ever, don't you ever group message me about a fucking Healy. Do you remember when you told me you didn't think it was fair someone could sexually abuse me when you were not allowed to sleep with me? With your bitch ass. You never see me as your own. Hence, you wanting to sleep with me when I moved to California. You sick-ass bastard. Then I got a, I got a reply from one of, the, one of my siblings who I've not met. And um, basically asking and, and giving excuses that he was on drugs. And oh, I'm like, wow. you didn't even know him. <laughs> you still don't. Right. Yeah. So, oh my God. So now this is one thing that I think is important to, to discuss is that the whole idea, I recently read something like when, when predators groom, they don't just groom the victims. They also groom everybody around them. And this is one reason why when they are accused, nobody believes it. Oh, not this guy. He's the nicest guy or he's great or he's, or come up with some kind of excuse for their behavior so that even if you do tell nobody believes you, cause this is such a great guy. So now here, yeah. this chick is a newfound daughter. Didn't grow up with him. Don't know you, but she feel like she needs to insert herself and tell you his story. Right. Did you reply to her? Oh, you know, I did. <laughs> I should have said, <laughs> you and, know I did. and what did you reply to her? <laughs> So hers is, which I, I understand the beginning of her message. That was great. I am so hurt by these messages. This is healing for all of us. You are not the only one who has been hurt. Mm. My heart is going out to you. Although we never met, you are my big sister. I love you, and I hope one day we can meet and talk. This pain needs to be released. You absolutely deserve an apology for the damage that has been done. Okay. Drugs and alcohol Drugs and alcohol played a ma major part in him not being there for us the way he should have been. So I can pause right there. My father had me when he was 14. Mm -hmm. Drugs and alcohol was not a major part of his life. Right. So let's continue. Wait, wait, wait. Let's pause, cannot... there. let's pause there for a minute. Your father was young when he had you. Yes. But I just want to just throw this in here because it's this whole thing that we, we talk about a lot in in the black community and i'm not saying that it don't happen in other communities but we say mama's baby daddy's maybe so that even though with your dad being young when he had you he didn't absolve himself of father fatherly responsibilities by himself his family also was complicit with that would you say yes because I think that's important because I think, you know what, as a, as, a, as a mother of a son and daughter, if my son got someone pregnant, even if he was 14 years old, as his mother, I would have supported him because he's still a child, right? But I would have supported him in fathering and building a relationship with that child. I also would have built a relationship with that child and I would have welcomed that child into my family as a whole. So I, I don't know that one, when young folks are having babies together, that we are holding the young men to the same responsibility that the young girls are held to because she got the baby. So that ain't right. if it's my baby is not, you know, is how am I going to feed this baby? How am I going to clothe this baby? How am I going to raise this baby? So that responsibility is 100% on her. But I feel like, and I'm speaking to all mothers of young men that have, you know, got a young girl pregnant, even if your son is grown even more so, you know, your ass ain't coming to my house eating no greens and cornbread if I know you have children that you're not taking care of. You better believe mm -hmm. that. So as women and as mothers of men and young men who are out here spreading their seed like there's sunflowers that they're throwing out into the earth, we need to step up as their mothers and put some pressure on them. It's still their decision, but as mothers, we need to put some pressure on them. You need to take care of your responsibility and stop having babies you're not going to take care of. Okay, that part just made me mad. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, I, I agree. Mothers need to be put that pressure on their sons mm-hmm. because I know that my grandmother put the pressure on my mom. I right. know she did. Right. So she says, we cannot hold this over his head. No one can change the past. It sounds like you both feel hurt about certain certain things. So please find it in your heart to forgive. He is very hurt. Oh. If you are absolutely opposed to mending your relationship with him, I hope that you're open to meeting me in the future. My reply was, I don't need third-party messages. My I'm God. over it. Please remove me from further messages. Seriously. And then she respected that. So I didn't get any more messages from wow. anyone on the group. Wow. Oh, I'm I'm lying. My brother sidebarred me. He my uh he texted me mm-hmm. and he he advised me to block him and stay away from him. Mm-hmm. He he just he was very hurt by the messages. It was important for me to reply as a group mm-hmm. and not as an individual because right. I need I need everyone to know where I am. Right. And not hear it from anyone else. Well, he sent it as a group. Well, well, and he sent it out as a group, but I could have replied to him personally. I could have replied to him individually to let him know, look, you know, it's not cool that you, that you reaching out to me. Um, but I did, like I said, I did, I think it's important for, because he tried to put in the text message, like I wasn't on board Mm -hmm. with, um, with coming to the, me and my brother weren't on board with, you know, this, these events. Right. Um, so you all are the so problem. I, I, so I replied as a whole to let, let them know, like, this is where I am. Like, it's right. not even about, oh, your, our dad wasn't in, our, you know, in our lives as a, as a youth. Well, look, even as 18, 17 years old, mm-hmm. straight out of high school, this guy wants to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. What, what do you say about that? I, and I've, and there's history even in that, like I've given up track scholarships and opportunities to go a lot of places. You know, I still have letters from Columbia University and Tennessee State, like huge track and field places that was recruiting me. And I said no to all of them because it was more important for me to know my father mm-hmm. and anyone that know that knew me back then they know right like i seriously went somewhere to have a that was more important for me um so after 20 years i'm kind of over it i'm really over it you know what i mean you just don't keep knocking at the at the door but listen let's zero in on this because you're not talking about forgiving him because he wasn't in your life you're not talking about forgiving him because you loaned him a thousand dollars and he never paid it back. You know, you're, you're talking about a certain issue that has been infused into the already dysfunctional and hurtful situation. You know, you're talking about this man hit on you. Your own father wanted to sleep with you and told you so, you know, so what are you, what is right to expect of you in response to that? Okay, Dad, you want to sleep with me ten years ago. We can just heal and go forth, and let's, you know, go pick some roses and sing Kumbaya. Like, what the hell are you supposed to do with that in terms of moving forward in a relationship with him? Is that even reasonable to expect that of you to move forward in a relationship with him? That's an interesting question. And, um, you know, if it was important to me still, mm-hmm. I would have thought about that question more, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's, it's not important to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like I've done all that I could do to have a relationship with someone that did not want that. Mm-hmm. And yes, <clears throat> when I moved to California, I had, I had already forgiven him for the prior 17 years of not being in my life. Right. Of not inviting me to your accolades then Mm -hmm. because he was a star. He was more of a star when I was younger. Mm -hmm. 
you know, hearing my cousins going to football games and I'm his own daughter and I, and I never seen him play live. Mm -hmm. That's very unfair for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but I was willing to erase all of that and start again. Right. At 17, I was very conscious of my heart, but I really wanted to know this man. I mean, where do you go from there? That was kind of where my question was, you know, when we initially spoke, it was like, right. Well, wow. I mean, my honest How? response, <laughs> fuck you for wanting to fuck me, dad. Like, fuck you. Like, there is no more relationship I want to have with you after you want no to sleep with me. There's, there's, I can move on. I can heal from there. But I don't want no relationship with you because every time we get together, if you look at me a certain way, I'm going to think, what you trying to do, daddy? So I just don't think, and I think this is part of a problem for me with healing and with the uh, the understanding that we put out there about forgiving is that we continue to put those who have been victimized into unhealthy situations under the guise of healing. You know, you can heal separate from a relationship. You do not have to be in a relationship with someone that has wronged you to show that you have truly healed. Much to mm-hmm. the converse of that is true, is that when you have truly healed, you no longer need anything from that relationship to validate you in any kind of way. And you can stand in your own identity separate from that. But to expect someone that has been propositioned, particularly on top of using the fact that you have been sexually abused as a ticket for him to feel like he could fuck you. Hell no. No, I don't need nothing to do with you no more. And so we can't put those kind of things in the same kind of categories of even being an absentee father to expect someone to move forward to that. So what ends up happening is under the guise of healing and forgiving, we continue to subject ourselves to the same thing that wounded us in the first place. And then we wonder why we can't get our lives together because we keep fucking with people that fuck us and we stay fucked up. Amen. Okay. I just, I just, it just gets on my nerves. Go ahead, girl. And just to, just to pull, just to piggyback off of you and feeling, feeling like you need that person to heal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That was my other issue. Right. Making, giving him power, control over my, my healing process. Exactly. Kind of leaving that door open a little bit. And I really had to slam the door. Right. I had to close it. This lock is, it. It's it, it lock it. It's not and people will say, you know, you're kinda um, you know, like kind of pushing it back in your brain, you're mm-hmm. you're harboring feelings. No, I'm not harboring feelings. Mm-hmm. My I don't have feelings around it. Is mm-hmm. you I mean I do have feelings around it, but I mean they're not anything that I guess affect my daily activities. Mm-hmm. Um, your goals, your hopes, your dreams. My goals, yeah. My hopes, my yeah. Like right. Because one thing that I that I had mentioned to you about healing is um, years ago, my grandmother, who in 1947, she was pretty much destined to die. She had tuberculosis. And the doctor giving her a death sentence. And back then, you you black, you a woman, and you poor, and you get an incurable disease or a disease like that that you you can't afford uh, medical attention for. You gonna die. So mm-hmm. um, she was miraculously healed in 1947 from tuberculosis. So this woman knew about healing. Okay, but okay, she had told me that she the Lord she had prayed she had arthritis in her knees, and she said the Lord healed her. But she said it came back. And what she told me was, you know, that her pantry or something, the warm heat or something would cause arthritis to go into her knees or whatever it was. Okay. And she said she kept going back into that place. So basically you can heal and you can be healed. But if you continue to go into the situation that caused the wound in the first place or a situation that aggravates that wound, 
you will need to heal some more. So that's basically why we sometimes need to extract ourselves from relationships and from people, because no matter how much you change and how much work you do, you've done a lot of personal work on yourself. That doesn't mean they have changed. And if you continue a relationship with that person, you're going to need to heal some more. Yes. You know, so. Or be a part of, and I don't even want to take place of, take part of being a part of his healing. Like that needs to happen individually uh, on your own. Like I had to do by force. Right. And I don't know that it happens at a special event. I haven't seen an altar at a special event yet. So I don't know if nobody's going to have some holy oil, if there's going to be a prayer, you know, prayer call at the altar. I'm just like, where's you going to have a a, a group therapy session? Ain't no healing going to happen. That's just about optics, wanting to look a certain way, you know. And I think it's important to remember that healing is on your own terms. Like the person who offended Mm -hmm. you doesn't get to decide how you heal, when you heal, why you heal, you know, and they don't have the power to take back your healing because you don't act the way they think you should act if you were in fact healed. Right. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I, and I get what you're saying, you know, it's like for me, you know, being abused by my stepfather, you know, there would be times that I would see him and I would feel some kind of way, you know, and, and growing up in a scenario where, you know, my mother stayed with him, I had to disappear in myself. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm 11 years old. Where am I going to go? You know, so mm-hmm. um, I had to live with that. And what happened was that I didn't live with it. I began to die with it because I had to be at just in the family, in my home. I had to go to family events. I had to, you know, put the smile on my face. Like everything was okay because didn't nobody else care about where I was and how I was feeling having to live with this person. And and this is the thing. If a stranger were to have grabbed me, abducted me, pulled me in the bushes and raped me, no one would expect for me to have to live under the same roof with that person. No one would expect me to have to go to Thanksgiving dinner with that person, Christmases, or to um, their, um, I'm trying not to cuss so much, but to their fucking Hall of Fame shit. You know what I'm saying? No one would expect that. And no, I take that back. I'm not trying to cuss so much. I really like to cuss. I do. I I I I, I don't want to cuss nobody out. But I love fucking shit. They are my favorite two words. You know. Mm. And if I can say fucking shit together in a sentence, I am on cloud nine. And this situation makes me want to say fuck and shit and yeah. motherfucker. Okay. But that one I want to say to him. So. You know, so no one would expect these things for us in the context of a stranger raping us, violating us, saying something vile to us. So why the hell are we supposed to, as survivors, suck it up because it's your dad, because it's your uncle, because it's your brother, that somehow being fucked by someone that you related to makes you less fucked? No. Well, I mean that that exactly what you said. I feel like was the response from the uh, sister that I've never met. Right. How to like, well, get over it and let's like let's find healing within within this. And right. So something's wrong with her. I mean, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to call him a rapist because he's a freak. I mean, at best, he's a. He's a freak. At best, he's a freak. And for her, you know, I like part of what she said to you because she sound kind of sweet. But she, she sound, did for the first sentence. For, she did, but, but, but she sound she, dupe. She went, continued to go downhill. She did because she's like, but you know, like for me, if you're my big sister and I want to get to know you, but you just told me that our dad tried to fuck you, the first mm-hmm. thing I'm going to be like is, what did this motherfucker try to do? 
come again. Mm-hmm. Not talk yes. about let's heal. I want to be like, tell me more because I'm about to get on a plane with this fucker. So I just want to know if he might try to do something to me. That's what I'm right. going to ask. Not right. let's heal anyway. Like, girl, did you read what I just said? Did you read what I said? Okay. Did you read what I said? Girl, please. See, this is yeah. why we got so much shit in our families because we as black women don't want to hold these sorry ass men to account for their sick behavior. What the fuck? Let's heal anyway? Come on. Uh-uh. Let's heal. <laughs> don't you have shirts that say that? I heal do. Anyway? I do have a shirt that says <laughs> heal anyway. And I mean it, but I don't mean don't heal with the fucker. Heal yourself. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Heal anyway. Your father yeah, yeah. is a freak. Heal anyway. Your stepfather yes. is a freak. Heal anyway. Your mama didn't do what she needed to do. Heal anyway. Your uncle did. You know what I'm saying? Heal anyway. But I'm right. not talking about heal with them fuckers. That's not what I'm yes. talking about. And, mm-hmm. and, and feel it okay about that because people are always going to try to tell you if you've healed right. What you need to do. Right. They're mm-hmm. not going to come beside you. What can I do to help you heal? Can I go to therapy with you? Do you need money for your um, anti-anxiety or your depression medications? Nope. Do you need help with your copay for your therapy? That's how you can help me heal. But then when I find a way to do it my own and I'm getting better and I'm living my life like you living. Don't come trying to tell me if I healed or how I need to heal or that I need you to heal. No. Or that I'm still wrong. Right. That's what I kind of felt like. Like, no, you're in a different day. I may, that may have, that question may have, um, you know, stayed in my mind a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I'm like, no, I, right. I'm, I, this is, I can't even put words to it because it's just, where do you begin? And I think that was your initial question. And where, where does the healing begin with a with a, a sexual predator? I think it's drawing the line in the sand, especially with your family. I think it's being able to say, mama, daddy, uncle, brother, deacon, whoever you are, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm not going to act like everything is okay and under the mm-hmm. guise of healing and forgiving. Part of it is creating boundaries because when we have been sexually abused, our boundaries have been violated. Our voices have been stolen. So you know you're healing when you can put some distance and some space between yourself and that motherfucker. That's yeah. how you know you're healing. And when you can use your voice to speak your truth, I'm proud of you. You, you know, that text message was dope. I'm sorry. You was on point with that. You weren't trying to pretty it up because you could have just been basically don't text me no more. But this is why Mm -hmm. I'm saying don't text me no more. Just so that you know that Mm -hmm. I know and they know so that you're not going to paint me as many people do as the black sheep because you're the truth teller. Now you the black sheep who won't get on board and your little brother is an MVP for being on your side because many times we don't have advocates within our own families to help us draw the lines. Yes. So he's an MVP and you know, another point He's MVP for sure. Okay. The other point I wanted to make is one, I would still be a little open to a relationship with your sister. I was still, you know, maybe, maybe if she's going to be talking shit to you, just leave her alone, you know, but maybe there's an opportunity for that, but she got to open up her eyes and shut her mouth and listen to what is. But the other thing is that I think that people can sometimes weaponize healing and the idea of healing and the idea of forgiving and use it as a cover for them to continue to do their shit without the smell. Hmm. You know, so your 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 father using the word healing, I think, was very strategic because everybody's going to be like, oh, he wants to right. heal. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, that's just so great that he's just putting that out there yet not being accountable for his 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 actions. Some things can't be. Restored. People can be restored from situations, but there's just some relationships that cannot be restored. And I think people use the word healing and forgiving as a way to continue to gain access, as a way to cover 
up their behavior so that everything just looks good. And so you go on this trip and you out there with the smile on your face and with the gear on, all this kind of stuff. Not everybody's going to be questioning, okay, if what she said about him was true, would she be here? She must have been lying in the first place about what she said he did. I feel he's on the right track with healing. But as I stated earlier, it definitely has to start with him individually. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way to get around it. Right. He, he needs to heal from his own childhood. Right. And second, uh, my second point to that is the, or not to that, but um, the thing you said about the sister. Um, yeah, I thought about that. And I'm not open to that relationship either. I'm barely open to any relationship with any new relationship, period. Mm-hmm. And this is a call. This is severe trust issues that's caused from this relationship. Sure. <laughs> from from my from my father. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. From the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, I'm not really open to a relationship with her. Um. Because there's no way to avoid talking about him. Right. That's right. how we're connected. I mean, I get that. I get that, especially because of the way she came at you. If she had come at you with, oh, my God, I had never heard this. This is horrible. You know, can we still have a relationship despite of him? Can we meet despite of him? If she had come with some truth in that way, Cause right now you can be sure that she's full of his Shit. own truth. Yes, because there how you go. do you know that drugs and alcohol was a part of why he did what he did? There you go. When you just met him five years ago, I'm just wondering. I mean, you know what I mean? You did. You said too much. Well, you know. I, now I will tell you this. I, I um, haven't ever used illicit drugs. Um, when I had my second son, Christian, my first with my daughter, um, the pain of the inducement that they gave me to have her was so severe that I couldn't feel any of the drugs they gave me. It, it just didn't do anything for me. So two years later, I'm in the hospital, I'm having Christian. And this boy had a watermelon-sized head. You know what I'm saying? So two years later, I'm having him, and I'm not being induced. It's just natural. And the nurse comes and gives me the shot, and I'm expecting this shot is not going to do nothing for me. It did do something for me. That shot was good. I don't know what was in that shot. I have, in different points of time in my life, wanted another one of those shots because it just felt good in the midst of it all. But even as good as that shot felt, it didn't make me want to fuck my own child. So if drugs and alcohol make you want to fuck your own daughter, you wanted to do it anyway. And the drugs and alcohol just give you the... uh, foolish boldness to go for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not feeling that. Drug and alcohol don't make you a pedophile. Mm-hmm. A pervert. You a pervert before you get drunk or high. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, I think we just need to be clear about that stuff. You know, Kevin Spacey tried to use that when that young boy came out and said that he had abused him. Talking about he was on drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol don't make you no pedophile. And they, Come on now. Stop that. Stop mm. making excuses for fucked up behavior, and then maybe we can heal some. So, listen, I appreciate you sharing this conversation because I know it's something that, you know, those of us who need to heal for a variety of reasons, sometimes we question and wonder, you know, are we healed? You know, if I don't want to be in a relationship with this person, am I healed? You know, does somebody else get to determine if I'm healed? And healing is personal and it's individual. You know, there are some things that are going to be the same, but one thing that I put out there for folks is um, I'm going to give you three signs of healing for black woman heal. And I'm going to continue to work on this, but, but this, this three basic things is that um, you've reclaimed your spirit. And I think part of that comes out of your ability to speak life to yourself. 
to others, you know, that you're no longer ashamed for what other people have done to you. And I think that's part of showing that you're healed, that you're able to separate yourself from what has been done to you and not take on the responsibility of that, that you put that shame where it belongs and that you're able to take responsibility for your own actions and have begun to make amends for those that you hurt while you were in your state of woundedness. Because sometimes when we're not healed and we're even Mm -hmm. in the healing process, we will do shit to other people because shit was done to us and that shit is not okay. And you got to go back and clean up that shit as best you can. So I think that's Mm -hmm. one way of showing that you've reclaimed your spirit and you know that you're not you're not being run by your emotions and you're not ignoring your emotions but you're no longer being controlled by and you can feel them in a very real way and i think you know the the second one is you've reclaimed your mind and i'm using the words reclaim because abuse and woundedness steal these things from us so i think you have reclaimed your mind when you can see yourself truly as you are when you've changed your mind, when you had a transformation of mind on how you conceive yourself, when you're able to move beyond the false definition that this abuse and this woundedness has created in you and how you see yourself, that you be able to move beyond those things with your mind and with your thoughts and having positive thoughts and positive belief systems. And you've changed your core belief about yourself because All our actions come out of our core belief about ourselves. I'm worth it. Then you're going to have actions that come from that, that are life-giving affirming. I'm shit. And you're going to have actions like that. That's why certain women keep getting with shit men because their core belief is that I don't deserve better. And then conversely, just for the brothers, I'll throw this out to you. Certain men keep on being shit men because they believe they shit, man. Okay. So it's not all on the women. And then the third thing is you have reclaimed your body. And I think particularly when you're looking at those who are healing from sexual abuse, you know, that you are having to me, one way that you're showing that you have reclaimed your body, that you're having sex when you want to have it with whom you want to have it with, how you also want to have it and that you have your voice. Because I think a lot of times when we're having conversations about consent, many times, um, women aren't able to say no or say yes or say what they want or don't want because their voice has been stolen from abuse. And so in being able to say that, I think also being kind to your body. You know, there's things that we as survivors do to our body, whether we starve ourselves or try to eat ourselves to death, or if we just don't take care of ourselves because, again, we're not feeling worthy. And that might be anything from, you know, body care to whether or not you go to the dentist or, you know, you're looking like a ragamuffin, all those kind of things, but you're feeling good within your body and searching your body. You know, one question I ask in a lot of workshops is what is your body still holding on to and, and realizing those things. And these are three ways. And so for you who are out there listening, um, a sign of healing is you've reclaimed your spirit you've reclaimed your mind and you've reclaimed your body. And so keep that in mind. So thank you so much for coming in on this conversation. appreciate you again. Cause like I said, these are things that a lot of us struggle with as we're going through. And so peace be the journey to you as you continue to walk along your healing journey. Thank you, Lolita. I love you. I will forever be grateful for you being in my life the past, 20, 25 years, um, I am, we've been, we've been healing possibly each other yes. <laughs> for a, for a long time. Absolutely. And you are someone that I trust and, um, I, I hope you continue to heal, help heal other adults and young and young women in, in, in the community. Seriously. Thank you, baby. And you know, anytime you call, I'm going to put everybody else on hold. So you know, you got the bat line with me. Okay? For sure. Okay. Thank you. That was a good conversation. And look, we mean this thing. We are not playing. We are committed to defending black girls. And look, we want you to get involved. Please visit Laleda.org to explore the work that we are doing to defend black girls to be safe wherever they are. And look, while you're there, 
please sign up for our mailing list so that you will not miss one single fearless conversation.